We don't have to sync or anything because I'm just going to use this Zoom audio because it sounds pretty good. We don't have to sync? I know. We don't have to clap. I don't even know how to start these things if we don't clap, Jamie. Well, also, it's been bloody ages since we've done one. So. No, We've been so busy. <laughs> oh, so many things going on. How are I you just, anyway? How are you? What have you been up to? I'm fine. I'm fine. I'm good. <laughs> Keep telling yourself that. I'm, I'm, I'm feeling... I'm feeling overwhelmed, which is how I always feel before we do a conference, I think, because there are just so many little moving pieces and things. Yeah. But I I have a lot of work that I'm doing, too, which I'm so, so grateful for. But then also there's all this stuff with Nava, which I'm also so, so grateful for and so excited about. And then my kids started school which I'm so, so grateful for and excited about. But it's just like, it's, I feel like in voiceover, at least for me with the kind of work that I do, like September to December is always so busy Yeah. with just life. Just everything happens September to December. And then January and February is like, oh, am I really a voice actor anymore? (laughs) (laughs) I find I tend to agree to things in quiet periods and then, everything hits at the same time and I'm like why yeah. did I say yes to this thing yeah um yeah I I feel the same way I don't have the kids obviously but you know I feel like even if you don't have kids we always find things to fill our time and yeah if I like it's I, I think Chris Rock does a comedy bit where he says like people ask how much money does it take to have kids exactly as much money as you have (laughs) yeah and i feel like it's the same with time when you're really passionate about something like how much time does it take to be a voice actor exactly as much time as you have yeah i tell you one thing i've always struggled with is feeling like i have to clear the deck you know have to get uh everything done Uh and one of my favorite books which is sort of the antithesis of me, but is the book that I find is most helpful for me, is a book called Don't Sweat the Small Stuff. And his whole thing is, the author is like, you know, you won't ever clear your inbox. You know, you won't ever clear your to-do list. You'll die with a to-do list. Yeah. <laughs> um, so just check things off, just get things done and and it will keep replenishing. So the goal isn't to clear it, it is just to move forward, you know, and just get things done as they come in. Sometimes when you die with a to-do list, you come back to haunt the people <laughs> in the business you haven't finished. <laughs> Are you pitching for some kind of video game right now? <laughs> oh, no, it's Halloween season coming up. It's yeah, Halloween <laughs> season is coming up. That's right. And the, like, other thing, why, the other thing like, is... Why is he coming back to haunt you? He didn't cross off his to-do list. <laughs> he still needs to feed the dog. <laughs> <laughs> He's got to get the audition in before Wednesday at 9 a.m. Um, the other thing, um, the other lesson that I try and remember from that book is that will this thing that you're currently stressing about matter in a year's time? Yeah. Will it be a thing that you think was important a year ago? 
in a year's mm-hmm. time, you know. And most of the t- things aren't. I mean, having kids and making sure they're like alive and happy, I guess, is pretty important all the time. But a lot of the minutia that I get uh, wrapped up in day to day, I find it's better to sort of turn the emotion level down on and just get them done, get them done and move yeah. on. Yeah. Um, Somebody said, I don't, this is probably like a TikTok video or something. <laughs> TikTok f- feeds me like emotional videos. But um, somebody said, like, whenever I get frustrated with my kids, I imagine myself as an 80-year-old woman. My kids are grown up and they're, you know, not living with me anymore and they're old adults. And I've been given one day to come back in time and spend with my kids at this age. Mm. Like, how would I interact with them? How much grace would I give them? How much would I not be frustrated with them if this was the only day that I got to come back and just live one day with them as an 80-year-old woman? And like, I think that sometimes when I'm frustrated with them, like, just take a deep breath. They're just little kids and they're so cute and they don't understand their emotions or anything logical. (laughs) And just, and I, and like, I feel that way about voiceover too. Like if I could come back to this time in my life, like what would I say to myself and how would I just tell myself that it's really not that big a deal and it's all going to be okay. Yeah. The only slight counter to that I would say is that we tend to remember things simpler than they actually were. So when when you're 80, you're like, Oh, it was a breeze. You know, why was I complaining? And then you zoom back in time and you try and. Like, oh my God, these kids were really annoying. (laughs) God, this sucks. Yeah. Why do they keep calling mom from the other room without saying what they're they're calling about? I mean, being in the presence of toddlers for five minutes is enough for me to go, yeah, no, that's, that sounds like it's a bit of a challenge. Yeah. Yeah. Kids are definitely not for everyone, and everyone should not have kids. And we really need people in the world who don't have kids to, like, be able to do a lot of things that people with kids can't do. Yeah. So thank you for not having kids, because we need people like you in the world. (laughs) I mean, I feel like I've done my carbon offsetting by not having kids. Yes, And so now I can just, like, pollute rivers and just, like, throw my trash out the window of my car. Don't do that. Don't do that. Because I've done enough. (laughs) I don't do that. I should just qualify. I don't do that. Um, Should we explain where you are? Yes. Sound a little different. Do I sound different? Do I have the hum of a refrigerator or something in the background of my? It's not a refrigerator. I unplugged the refrigerator. Don't actually hear it. Oh, good. I am in Washington D.C. at the Voice and AI conference with uh, Nava, and I am going to be speaking tonight, giving like a ten-minute head talk style talk and um and then tomorrow i am going to be on a panel all about uh ai from an actor's perspective with tim friedlander and andy danish and sarah natacheni and who are the people that are attending this conference what kind of people are there it's really interesting it's a lot of ai developers there are a lot of speakers which is really cool and i'm excited to hear um, what they have to say uh it's not voice actors no there are some people who i know who are here jim Kennelly 
and um, Sam Ufrit from Lotus Productions are here. Lisa Leonard, who we love, yeah. is downstairs actually sitting at the Nava booth while I uh, am recording this podcast with you. Oh, cool. So thank you, Lisa. Big shout out to Lisa. Yeah, lovely. Um, and Anne Ganguz is here and Bev oh. Standing's coming and Rob Siglin-Paglia and uh, other people too. But it's, it's, um, it's mainly for people who create AI to kind of just be in one place together and learn from each other and connect and figure out how we're all going to navigate the future of this technology. And this is AI as it relates specifically to voice, right? Exactly. Just, yes. vo- just voice AI yeah. specifically as AI as it specifically relates to voice. So, um, you know, companies like Veritone are here. The uh, CEO of Eleven Labs is coming. Um, I, I haven't seen him yet, but I'm, I know he's here. Tim and I had a meeting with him the other day. Um, which was very interesting. And the the thing that I've taken away from meeting with a lot of CEOs of these AI companies on, on behalf of Nava is that all of them that we have met with are really open to the idea of doing what they do in an ethical way. Hmm. And what's interesting is a lot of them just have not thought about what things are like from our side. And that's why they've been doing it the way that they've been doing it, because our concerns are just not their concerns. They just haven't really thought about it. Yeah. Yeah. They're disruptors without a sort of sense of what they're disrupting. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> yeah. And do you get the sense that because we're now well into this now, voice AI landscape, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. are they showing up in helicopters and Bugattis and, you know, you know? Oh, no. super successful or is it still very early yeah i I mean i would say nearly all if not all of these companies are not yet profitable no because people don't know what to do with it yet no right now it's just kind of like an interesting fun tool to play around with and like chat gpt i think people are using more on a daily basis to just kind of get creative inspiration for things but chat gbt can give you an idea but i think most of the time most of us don't trust chat gbt to like write an entire you know write ad copy that's like exactly how you want it to be yeah but you could say like give me an idea for a commercial about bagels and it would come up with some ideas and then you might take one and go oh i don't really like that Ooh, but that's an interesting it's an interesting thing yeah you know when this first came in, you know, the sort of new generation of voice models, even though they've been around forever, but or at least the last 10 or 15 years, this new generation that have made a step up and the sort of large language model kind of process of aggregating all of the internet <laughs> into yeah. its construction of these new voices and this new, you know, apparent intelligence, which I use in inverted commas. When it first came in, it was like, wow, this is incredible. This, is, this, this has a real human quality. But as we've gone on, I've found myself becoming a lot more discerning, noticing that it has a style of its own. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, the, like the art, the writing style, the way that voices are articulated, it all sounds to me like you can sort of see it a mile off at this point. Yeah. Now, that's not to say that it's not going to get better. Of course it is. Of course it's going to get better. 
But there's something about the nature of aggregating the whole of the mass of the internet and the mass of sort of everything that has been digitized that creates a certain style. And I don't know how that's going to change if they're going to throw in uh, some random elements there so that it, it you can get these these things to have a sort of personality or an individualism, which humans bring naturally by the things that we learn, the things that we forget, our culture, our upbringing. And I find myself becoming much more discerning when it comes to that kind of stuff. And, and you know, even the stuff that doesn't matter to me, like I would use it a lot for podcast descriptions like ChatGPT. And mm-hmm. I got sick of it because it was all, it all ended up sounding and reading the same. And yeah. just, they use one word. They're, they're, I forget what the word it was, but it was like, you know, fantastic. It was just way overused because it's so much, it's so prevalent on the internet. And it wasn't fantastic, ChatGPT. <laughs> yes. So I just, I wonder how they're going to humanize that or if that's going to be just a thing that we, it's just a tool that we use. Like we've had clip art forever. Yeah. <laughs> you know, people don't use clip art because it has a look. It, it, people recognize it as clip art. And, um, I sort of think that may be where a lot of these applications go. They're used in situations where it sort of doesn't matter that you, people don't have to be too discerning. Yeah. yeah. You know, the other thing is, uh, we've talked about this a lot on on panels with Nava, but like chat GPT and all AI, it only takes what already exists in the world and reworks it to come up with an idea that's, you know, a, a different combination of things that already exist in the world. So that means it's taking source material from all media that has existed since the creation of media, which is inherently not very diverse. Yeah. And not, you know, necessarily very new and inventive. And like if you if you Zeke Elton said something great in the Comic-Con panel, he said, you know, if you ask one of these AI like uh, visual art applications to like come up with a an image of superman it's going to take the image of every superman that has ever existed and pop out an image of superman which is going to be a white man with black hair yeah (laughs) and we have done so much work now to really you know try and move the conversation forward away from the same old people that have been in the media forever and ever and ever and if, and the same ideas that have been in the in the in media forever and ever and ever and if people are using chat gpt and and other generative ai and and um ai applications to come up with new ideas your ideas are not going to be new ideas they're going to be the ideas that have existed forever and ever and ever and so in that way you know you need human input to move diversity forward to move you know the the conversation about inclusion forward to move ideas forward in that way so that you're not stuck in the same old stuff that we've been doing for decades yeah this is why it's not the i in ai is not particularly powerful because it's just an amalgamation of what's gone before like you just exactly what you just said that is not creative yeah that is that is not you know, respectful of human beings or idealistic in any way. It's just like if you were to put all the ingredients in your kitchen 
into a food processor. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. it's technically all of the stuff. And and AI would be like, okay, well, you know, you like this, you like, you said you like carrots and you like chocolate cake. Let's just combine it all together, and that should be a tasty meal. You know, so yeah. You know, we have evocation coming up this weekend, <laughs> and my dad is is the baritone bartender, and he's <laughs> going to be making cocktails with us on Friday at. 615 Eastern. If you're free and coming to evocation, definitely come. It's super fun. But my dad and I, just for fun, we thought like, wouldn't it be interesting if we asked chat GPT to make a cocktail recipe? And so we were like, come up with a cocktail recipe, you know, that has to do with voiceover or something. And so it came up with this or like that has to do with robots or come up with, and it came up with like three different cocktails that on paper, you look at it and you're like, oh, seems like an interesting combination of things it's a little weird but yeah. it's kind of interesting and so my dad made all three cocktails exactly according to the chat gpt recipe and he said they were all disgusting <laughs> and, and undrinkable <laughs> well what's funny because, is that it's no surprise to me because the way ChatGPT works is all it does is it predicts the next word yeah exactly it comes up with, you know, obviously a starting, you know, based on your question or prompt, it comes up with the starting word and then it scours the internet to figure out what's the me- next logical word. There is no deep thinking, no creative thought going on here. That's all it's doing. And then it, you know, concludes at some point. And also robots can't drink cocktails. No, no. They, they I mean, how good, it, how good could it, that is determined by how good human beings have been at describing what a good Their cocktail recipes, is. Yeah. yeah, exactly. What good is, you know, <laughs> how can you even explain that? Yeah. So it's, mm. it's really interesting. And just this morning, I, I started this call with Karen by playing something to her. I was playing with a brand new one of these AI voices. Still sucks to me. It still doesn't yeah. sound good. I mean, no. it's all relative. But when you and I do these workouts occasionally for various events, and we have people read for us, we're able to go in there and say, yeah, that was really cool, but I really want to feel like you're more invested in this. And just imagine you're sat on a couch and it's all cozy and it's raining outside and it's, you know, you're drinking this hot chocolate, this, you know, whatever it is. And, and you can really talk that actor into that space and then they give that performance. And who knows what's going on in that actor's mind when they're delivering that. But what comes out is something that is completely unique and individual and exciting and fresh and like I say individual I'm still kind of adamant about it yeah there's no way a computer can can operate like that and even if you could make it do it it would be so laborious to get that result you know yeah so there, there are many many instances your example of reading the New York Times every single day for you know people with yeah the moment that it's published on your on your Alexa smart speaker you yeah, know, no without any mistakes. Without. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And a lot of the ISI stuff or, you know, medical. and Or even like, you know, my my synthetic, I, I have a, a, like a couple different synthetic voices. One of my synthetic voices reads the weather in every right. single city as it happens. You can call and like, I can't do that. The weather changes all the time. Yeah. <laughs> You'd have to have like a whole call center of people. Yeah. Like and just typing their voices into your phone somehow. <laughs> and I love, I love just speaking to my Alexa in the kitchen and just having it give me information and setting timers and not having to, you know, 
clean my hands and type things and reading out text messages on my phone. Like all of that stuff is really, really good. Yeah. Um, and the better the voice, the better the experience, but I'm not comparing it to a human being. Yeah. <laughs> it's not something that a human being would otherwise be giving me. You right. Know? So. You know, it's interesting, though. I don't know how much I can talk about this on a podcast, but one giant phone system that I have been a part of for a long time now, a couple of years doing, they haven't used a synthetic version of my voice at all. Mm. I've recorded every single prompt, and it's thousands and thousands of prompts. I've been working on it for a year and a half now. Yeah. And the reason why is because they really want it to sound human. They really want to engage with people on the phone in the moment that those people need them. Yeah. And to have a human being talking to them. Even though it's pre-recorded, it's actually me. It's not it's not a robot. And yeah, they put like parts of sentences together. But it's not a it's not a synthetic version of me. It's yeah. real me. I really recorded that sentence just for you. I really recorded that address of your, you know, lo location <laughs> where you might go and do things with this phone system company. Yeah. <laughs> the company that the phone system is associated with. And I think everyone knows what you're referring to. <laughs> <laughs> if you know me, you probably know, but yeah. <laughs> but um yeah, and like when people call that phone system in particular, they they might not be feeling well. They're like in a moment of need and they need a, a human to talk to. Yeah. And they they didn't want a robot voice. And I'm happy to do that work. And also, if they want to eventually create a synthetic version of my voice for part of that phone system, we we will talk about that. And I am not opposed to it at all. Um, and I know that when if and when that happens, it you know, it will all be handled in a way that is very ethical and has my best interests in mind and has the best interests of the customers in mind. And, um, yeah, I feel very confident about that. So, yeah, there's a time and a place for all of this tech, you know, and I think right now the companies that don't know our industry don't know that time and a place. Yeah. <laughs> so they're trying it all. Right. So I guess part of, you know, your involvement in this conference is valuable to them also to know, well, what kind of work are you using your AI voice for and, and maybe those applications we can explore more. And those kind of instances, yeah, like where you're reading the weather everywhere. Yeah. Um, perfect. You know, and the better the better the experience. But is a slightly better AI voice in that instance really giving so much extra value you know, yeah. to the consumer? Like, I don't know. And how do you monetize that in a way that is game changing for them? You know, yeah, it's really I have to say <laughs> I, I have to I have to do this like 10 minute TED Talk speech t tonight. And I'm really kind of nervous about it because I can speak to a room of voice actors. No problem. We are in the same industry. We get each other. We understand each other's problems, you know, and we and we I don't know. I did. Th these are my colleagues and I feel supported by them. Coming into a situation where I am trying to give my point of view to a room of people who have never seen things from my point of view, but who are eager to learn about my point of view, hopefully, because that's mm. why they came to my talk, it's just a little bit more nerve-wracking. Well, I think if they 
have a brain, <laughs> they're going to want to hear what you have to say because you are interacting with voice buyers day in, day out and have done for, I don't know, what, 11, 12 years, something like that. That is the information that they want to hear. Now, you're there, of course, not, that's not your intent, but your intent is to advocate for the people that are providing these services, you know, us, voice actors. But your, your knowledge is hugely valuable, whether they appreciate that or not, to yeah. what they do, because their, their livelihoods lives, live and die by selling these products to companies who may or may not want them. So why would they spend all this time and money marketing to, I don't know, for example, advertising agencies, if a voice is not copyrightable, like they're, they're not, they shouldn't waste their time on that. It's just yeah. a waste of time. And advertising agencies would prefer to work with a human being than a robot because they can get all the nuance, blah, 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 all the stuff we've talked about before. So there's a lot that they can get from you. And you, you know, you're one of the most well-spoken, educated, experienced people in our industry. So I don't, you know, I don't think you've got anything to feel nervous about. I hope so. I hope it goes well. I mean, if he balls it up, he balls it up. You know, not the end of the world. <laughs> <laughs> Do you want to give us a little uh, preview? Yeah. Is that okay? Can yeah. I read it? Let's do it. Yeah, love to hear it. <laughs> it's ten minutes, everyone. But I hope you. I hope you like it. I think it would give me a good chance to practice if yeah. that's okay. Let's do it. I'll All keep, right. I'll so, turn my mic off. Okay, so listeners to the VO Breakfast Show, uh, close your eyes and imagine you are in a beautiful, dark conference room. <laughs> no, I don't know. It's going it's gonna to be in a, a hotel ballroom. <laughs> it's 6.15 p.m. and a sweltering day in Washington, D.C. And the lights come up. And I, Karen Gilfrey, walk onto the stage and I say to you, good evening. My name is Karen Gilfrey and I'm a voice actor, a former opera singer, a mom, an AI enthusiast, and the vice president of the National Association of Voice Actors. And I'm going to start this presentation by asking you a question. Do you own the rights to your own voice? It seems like a simple question with a simple answer. Yes, it's my voice. Of course, I own my voice. Of course, no one should be able to use my voice without my permission. My voice is part of what makes me who I am. When I talk to my family on the phone, they know it's me without seeing the caller ID. When someone I love calls to me from the other room, I instantly recognize it's my older daughter or my younger daughter or my mom or my niece or my sister. Let me tell you a short story. When I was 14, I met a boy at summer camp, a summer camp for the arts. <laughs> he was glorious in the way that only 14-year-old boys can be glorious. He played the violin. He wrote poetry. He wore an old Nike baseball hat and Oakley sunglasses and ripped gym shorts while playing the violin and writing poetry. And we fell completely in love in about four days and spent all of summer camp sneaking off to the amphitheater to kiss. And then after that summer, I completely lost touch with him because, hey, it was 1999. There was no Snapchat back then. 
But randomly, on my 18th birthday, I got a phone call. And the voice on the phone said, Karin, do you know who this is? And my heart stopped because I knew exactly who it was. And then we dated for two years in college, but we eventually married other people and we are very happy now. The human voice is so unique. It is used as biometric data, which can give you access to your American Airlines Advantage account or your bank. Even if you've never met a person before, just by hearing their voice, you can determine thousands of things about them, their approximate age and gender, the region they might be from, what kind of room they're standing in and how far away they are from the microphone they're speaking into or how far they're standing from you. And yet, your voice is not federally protected in the United States, and there is no federal law that says you own the rights to your own voice. You don't own the rights to your own voice. Let me back up and tell you a little bit about me and my job. I'm a voice actor. And of course, the first thing people always ask me is, do you do cartoons? Can you do a lot of weird voices? And the answer is no. No, not really, because I'm not a character voice actor. And that is actually a very, very small part of our industry. The main kinds of work I do are commercials, video games, audiobooks, explainers, and e-training. Like, you know, every time your company has a new sexual harassment training module you have to complete, and, you know, they're, they're like, this is Susan. Susan works in the accounting department. And this is Brad. Click the next slide to continue. It's always Brad. Am I right? Oh, and... I narrate murder shows. (laughs) Anyway, I love my job. And for all those kinds of work, I'm not putting on a fake accent or pitching my voice higher or lower, except for the murder shows. (laughs) No, but really, most of the time, I am asked to be me, as natural and conversational as possible. And so because of that, there are hundreds of thousands of hours of my voice out there in the world. But here's the thing. When I did that work, I didn't give consent for that work to go beyond the job description. When I narrated a 10-hour-long audiobook, I was paid for that 10-hour-long audiobook and nothing else. When I am paid for a commercial, I'm being paid for the licensing of my voice to be used in association with a specific product for a specific period of time. And during the time that commercial is airing, I cannot do work for other competing brands. Like if I did an ad for Coke, I wouldn't be able to do an ad for Pepsi as long as the Coke ad was running. And if I did do an ad for Pepsi, I could be sued. But in my industry, our voices are being stolen, used without our explicit consent. Here's an example. A voice actor narrated an audiobook for LibriVox back in 2013, which, yes, is public domain. But when they recorded that audiobook back in 2013, they couldn't even conceive of the idea that their voice could be used beyond that book. 
But now any kid with a $5 subscription to Eleven Labs can take the recording of them and create a synthetic version of their voice and use it for anything and everything they want. They can use it for a new video game or for a new explainer video or pornography or hate speech or to call their grandma and demand money or even a Pepsi ad. And this is happening now. Every use of that voice beyond the actor's control is a violation because they didn't give consent. My voice, my choice. We all want the ability to decide what we say. And when you take the words out of our mouths, you rob us not only of the ability to earn a living with our voices, but also of our freedom of speech. My voice, my choice. So what do actors want? We know the technology is here to stay, and we know there's nothing we can do to close Pandora's box. And actually, we're even kind of excited about the future. But we want to be part of the conversation. What we want can be boiled down into three things. Consent, control, and compensation. Consent means we give permission for our voices to be cloned and used for a specific purpose. Control means we get to say yes or no to projects and how our voices are used. And compensation means that if you are using our voices, you should pay us for the use of our voices. It's really not that difficult to get consent. There are thousands of people in the world who will willingly train a synthetic voice for a fee. Some would even do it for free. But there are many, many people who don't want their voices to be used in that way. And by using their sound files without their explicit consent, developers are robbing them of the ability to choose. Control. I want to know if my voice is being used in a Trump ad or an ad for Pepsi or pornography or as the new voice of TikTok. I want the company that made my synthetic voice to tell me if they are being bought out by another company or if they intend to sell my voice to another company. I want control over how my voice is used. Some people don't. They probably don't make a living with their voices, but they still need the choice. And compensation. This one is a little trickier than the first two because there isn't a standard method of compensation for synthetic voice clones. But the standard will likely be based on a number on number of impressions or per unit generated or even a yearly licensing fee or even a buyout. Nava and Sagaftra are both working with AI companies as we speak to develop standard methods of compensation. And if you want to talk, we want to talk with you. Please reach out to Nava and we will schedule a time. But for the time being, let's just agree that fair compensation means both sides of the equation feel that they are getting a fair deal. What we really need are laws. Laws that protect our likeness and image. Laws that give the right of publicity to people across the nation and around the world. And they are coming. But until then, it is up to us on both sides to protect each other. Because if someone wants to use my voice, it should be my choice. Thank you. I'm clapping. <laughs> hey, woo. that was brilliant. Oh my goodness. Thanks. Yeah. 
Wonderful. It's going to go down a storm. Maybe it's what they want to hear. Maybe it's not what they want to hear, but it's definitely it's not the what truth. they want to hear. It's fine. It's the truth. It's, it's the what truth. we need to say. Yeah. I think. I love that. I love that because it is really, it is representing us and you're doing a, you're doing a fantastic job of representing us and our livelihood. And it's collaborative. It's, it's in a way that they can actually get on board with. It's not confrontational. It's not accusational. I love that. Yeah. Really good. Really, really good. Thanks. How long did it take you to write that? I wrote it on the plane <laughs> yesterday. <laughs> I thought the end of the boy story was going to be, and that boy was J. Michael Collins. <laughs> <laughs> no. Oh, that would have been too good. Yeah, that's, that the, was... that's the VO Atlanta speech. And then, <laughs> and then I'll say, just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and you can tailor it to whoever's running the conference. <laughs> that boy. Was Barack Obama? (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, that really does a great job of articulating our concerns. And it's broad as well. It's all the concerns of writers, of visual artists. It's the same kind of thing, really, but just appropriate for us. And I have heard with this whole you can't copyright a voice kind of a situation is particularly with anything AI generated, they are concerned about that if they want to try yeah. and reach out to companies to for marketing and advertising. They've got to figure out what's going on. And and like you said, legislation is sort of in the works, right? In, yeah. In terms of what's coming down the pike. And, you know, it's interesting because in the, in the states that do have right of publicity laws, which are California, New York, and Illinois, Illinois actually has some of the most comprehensive right of publicity laws. You are fairly protected if you are a famous person. But if you're a regular person, you're not as protected. So we as voice actors are kind of in a gray area, I feel, when it comes to right of publicity, as far as the laws that exist are concerned. Because our voices are recognizable, some of us, but maybe not to wide enough an audience that would trigger a real right of publicity that would trigger that legal action. And, and that's that relevant be because it. they could be found out because someone could go, hang on a minute, that's Will Ferrell. Yes. Yeah. Yes. You know, it's interesting there. So the case that I, the case that I read recently was about this um, hip hop song where this guy took his grandma or his great aunt's voice. She, she left a message and she said something silly like, I don't even know where that is. Or it was like some some phrase that didn't have any good or bad meaning at all. Yeah. But they they looped it and they put it in their hip hop song. And she came back and said, you're using my voice. You have to pay me. And the mm. courts ended up deciding that because she was not famous, there was no damage done to her reputation and even her own family didn't recognize that it was her necessarily when they heard the song. It, they thought that it was just some other woman who sounded like her. Um, she didn't win. Mm-hmm. Even though the guy said, oh, yeah, it is her voice. I used it. I recorded it from a phone conversation that we had and we used it in the track. It's definitely her. But she didn't win. And it's not copywritten material that they use. And it's not copywritten material. Yeah. Yeah. Wow. So... It's so is that the precedent then, that they're using now for 
Well, so that's one of them. There are like three different cases. The main one that we use in California for right of publicity is the case of uh, Bette Midler versus Ford. And Bette Midler, um, Ford asked her to sing on a commercial and she said no. And so Ford hired one of her backup singers who sounded just like her (laughs) to sing in the commercial and didn't really say whether or not it was Bette Midler singing in the commercial But anyone who heard it would have thought immediately that's Bette Midler singing in the commercial. So she sued Ford and she won the case just using a sound alike. And they said that uh, Ford did not have the right to use her voice in that way, especially because she turned down the job and because she was a recognizable figure. And they were trying to make it seem like she participated in the commercial when she didn't. And you could argue that us as voice actors, if we have things out in the public domain, copywritten or not, we are recognizable in that way. And therefore, they are trading on our reputation. Yeah. And a lot of these synthetic voice companies use LibriVox, which is as as their uh, training data. So LibriVox, if you don't know, is... Um, a company that you could just record audiobooks, books that are in the public domain, like you could record old texts and things um, that are not under copyright and put your book up and it's free. And a lot of voice actors were doing that for practice. They were doing it to kind of like help people with vision impairment um, to be able to listen to books that maybe didn't exist as audiobooks back in the day. And so, and I would say this was very prevalent from like maybe 2008 to 2016. So there are just thousands and thousands of hours of totally clean audio, people speaking entire books that are in the public domain and available for uh, synthetic voice training data just through LibriVox alone. Mm -hmm. And is that wrong of the companies to train their synthetic voice models on that data if it's in the public domain? I would say it is because those actors did not know that at some point their voices might be, you know, propagated, yeah, <laughs> turned into synthetic versions of them and used, you know, wherever or even training the uh, the technology that might replace voice actors at some point in the future. They didn't realize that that's what they were doing. They were just recording an audiobook. And when they say training, what do they mean by training? Are they literally taking that audio and manipulating it? Or are they training an algorithm to learn what the human voice sounds like in different applications? Yes, the latter. The latter. But also, so there are so many different ways that a person can be involved in AI without actually having a synthetic version of their voice created, Mm. without having a synthetic voice clone. And one way is training AI. And when you train AI, it could be something like you have a thick Italian accent and you you want all Alexa smart speakers to be able to understand people with a thick Italian accent better. So you get a bunch of people with thick Italian accents to speak a bunch of different words and you teach your, you know, smart home device how to recognize those accents and make it seem like English. So it's things like that. Or you could be training AI, you know, to recognize how many people are in a room 
how many different voices are in a room or how far away someone's standing from the from a smart speaker or to understand you in a car when there's lots of traffic noises or a police siren or you know there's all different kinds of ways and they're not necessarily creating a synthetic version of your specific voice playing devil's advocate here though how is that different from a voice actor doing that learning an italian accent from watching a bunch of italian youtube videos people speaking yeah, italian yeah i mean it's not but the the difference is we make a living from our voices and some people don't want to contribute to that yeah you know and if you want to contribute to that then absolutely you can be hired for that job and hopefully they pay you for that job and if you want that job then you should have it but it should be your choice yeah it shouldn't be that i did a job 10 years ago and now that audiobook exists out in the world and someone has now taken it and used it to train ai and i had no idea that that was happening and now all of a sudden i hear a synthetic version of my voice or i know that the new siri is based on the way that i speak my speech patterns and my you know and there is a difference between an individual doing that and a company a profit make seeking company doing that on mass <laughs> yeah you know in terms of the training ethically i don't know about legally but certainly ethically there's a difference there yeah yeah well i'm excited to hear how it goes tonight yeah i think i hope it goes well yeah <laughs> Now, when you come back, <laughs> yes, when I come we back, got, we got to talk about the next step in our yes. AI discussion. <laughs> Evocation is coming up this weekend, so uh, uh, I'm going to try and turn this episode around super quick. So uh, listeners have got plenty of time to join us if they'd like to. But Evocation is our virtual conference that we put on every year. It's all about the business of voiceover, and we are leaning into the AI discussion this year. On top of all the other standard stuff that we usually have in terms of operating a business as a voice actor, but with a little um, tinge of AI sprinkled on top. <laughs> um, so a little sprinkle of robot dust. Yeah. Why don't you explain to listeners how our virtual conference works? Yeah. Um, so evocation is evocation is awesome. I love it. Uh, basically, you buy a ticket and now you won't get a swag bag in the mail before the conference, but I will still send you a swag bag as soon as I get back after the conference is over. But uh, yeah, we give you Zoom links and you Zoom in with all of your friends to all of these different sessions. Each session is 50 minutes long, 5-0. We have a ton of networking events in the evening. We're making cocktails on Friday night together and we have a really fun voiceover game show <laughs> yes. that Jamie and I have invented from the brains of Gilfrey and Muffet. <laughs> <laughs> and hosted by Nikki Sunshine. And hosted by Nikki Sunshine. Which, which, by the way, Nikki, you have the perfect name for a game show host. I, yes. I, I don't, I can't think of a better, except maybe like Mark Summer. But right. I think Nikki Sunshine is better. Yes, I agree. Perfect name. Yeah. But anyway, so um yeah, we have a we have a ton of talks about just the business side of voiceover and you will come away learning with so much knowledge and it's just it's just awesome. And it's surprisingly so collaborative and community based too. For yeah. a virtual conference you wouldn't expect that, but it's like really 
So many people have made good friends. Yeah, exactly. And, you know, professional and personal friends at this event. Obviously, we started during COVID, but it's it was such a social event that we've continued it on. And it's just as popular now as it was, you know, year one. And um, it's it's amazing how social a virtual conference can be if you, you know, have a great crowd of people who are all pulling in the same direction, wanting the same thing. So, yeah, you know, absolutely. If you, this is a conference that is open to everyone that goes to conferences, but also people who have a hard time getting to conferences. It's obviously much cheaper just buying your ticket and then you have access to everything. We don't have any paid editions or anything like that. Obviously, like Karen said, you get your swag bag in the mail, but you can access everything as much or as little as you want, you know, in terms of the live sessions, the panels, the classes, as well as the networking things. But also we record all the classes and panels and the party and we put it up online. So if you are not able to attend everything or maybe you're not around this weekend, you can actually watch everything back for a month after the event. And you can just buy a replay only ticket if you like. Just wanted to have a quick go through of the schedule so everyone can know what, what we've got coming up. So on Saturday, well, we've got the party on Friday night and all the fun and shenanigans that go along with that. So that's that's exciting. And also a keynote speech by Bev Standing. Yes, yes, Bev Standing, who actually kicks off events on Saturday with a yes. class called Treat Yourself Like a Business from Day One, which is extremely appropriate for us. And yes. then Tim, Tim Friedlander, president of Nava, outstanding voice talent, studio owner, demo producer, whatever else he does, he's talking about this current state of AI, which is really interesting. As we've been discussing today, it is this ever-evolving monster (laughs) that is growing in our industry. Um, Really important to learn about that. And then VoiceOver and Our Future is the next session, which is a panel sponsored by Lotus and hosted by Jim Kennelly. And that features Rolf Feldman, Lauren Cowles, and John Stein. And um, that's really going to be fascinating. Um, Following that is Hunter Peterson. Can you just talk about who Hunter Peterson is real quick? Yeah, Hunter Peterson is amazing. He's a voice actor and also like a social media pro who has worked with like famous YouTube creators like Mr. Beast. And he's going to talk about how what we can learn from social media, specifically like getting paid and social media monetization and things like that. So. Yeah, it's going to be great. Absolutely. And then completely switching gears, <laughs> we're going to have J. Michael Collins present a class, which he doesn't do very often, by the way, anymore. No. He's, you know, big time conference owner and demo producer and voice talent, but doesn't do many actual classes at conferences. And he's going to talk about the case for going against the AI tide. So everything that we talked about is, oh, AI is amazing. It's going to be the next big thing. He kind of disagrees. You know, there's there's plenty of work outside of AI and going against that will help you to stand out and will be the way to move forward in voiceover. So we have we really want to get differing opinions and perspectives on this. It's not just all one sort of monolithic, you know, approach to AI. After the break, we've got contracts and protecting your future. That's Zeke Alton. He's talking about that. And then to finish off the teaching, we've got Tina Marasco talking about casting. And Tina is just fantastic. Do you want to talk about Tina? 
Tina's amazing. She's she is the uh one of the owners of Sound and Fury and just such a great teacher. And she has this awesome um Tina Morasco library, which you actually get a discount for if you are interested in purchasing that where she just is kind of like the casting director in your ear and tells you all of this all of the things that she looks for when casting things and it's it's fantastic she's wonderful yeah love tina and then we have our networking night so we've got a bunch of different rooms that you can join different themes meet your fellow attendees and it always gets a bit wild it does <laughs> so <laughs> um you know the good thing about zoom is you can drop in and out at your leisure you can you know go in there talk to some fun crazy people go and have a cup of tea have your dinner then come back again and then you know party until 2 a.m as some people do True. or not <laughs> or not yeah <laughs> then we're into sunday and one thing we always get asked for is classes on marketing and it seems to be an area that is very mysterious and confusing for a lot of people. So Tom Aglio, very popular chap, is coming in talking about making marketing manageable. And um, that's going to be a real popular one. Another subject that we actually get asked about a lot is managing working your voiceover career and your life and how to make those somehow coincide in a effective way and nazia chowdhury's joining us for that so we're very excited about that and then do you want to talk about your panel AI yes panel? we are we are uh having a chat with people who have synthetic voices and use them including Anne ganguza from the vo boss the VO Boss empire i should say but also the podcast <laughs> tom Deere, who is the vo strategist and an awesome person. He has a voice with Murph.ai. And Kat Callahan, who is the new voice of TikTok, uh, who took over for uh, Bev Standing. So I think it's going to be a really interesting panel. And then I'm hosting it. I also have a couple synthetic voices. So we'll talk about, you know, how you can use your synthetic voice, how you can monetize a synthetic voice, and what to look out for in contracts and all kinds of things like that. So that's good. Yeah, love that. And then after that, we've got Hidden Struggles, the Data of Mental Health in VoiceOver. That's uh, hosted by Catherine Toll and Mara Juno, both wonderful talent in their own right. And they're taking data that acquired from our community and presenting this in this session on the mental health of voice talent and the struggles and uh, challenges that we have day to day and helping everyone to feel a little less isolated or alone and that hopefully or that's overwhelmed like or, me right there we go we talked about it today <laughs> yeah exactly yeah very very valuable and that's another subject we've been asked about a lot to talk about yeah um, after that we have a video games panel which i'm yeah. really excited about with jennifer hale of mm. the the famed jennifer hale who's in absolutely everything um and such an incredible person in our industry with um, Michael Scott, who is a great, great voice talent who does a ton of video games and Sissy Jones. Sissy, by the way, is one of the main companions in the new Starfield game that just came out uh, today, among many other things. She's a BAFTA award winner and lots of great, great things. Um, so that's the video game panel. And then we have a break. And then after that, you want to talk about the next one? Yeah, we are steamrollering into political season. <laughs> yes, so we thought this we was are. the perfect time and year to talk about politicals because 
It's a subject that actually doesn't get covered an awful lot, as far as I'm aware. I don't see it talked about very much. And we've got a fantastic panel here, um, hosted by our very own Maria Pendolino. And yeah, panelists on that will be Issa Lopez, Sherry B. Tay, George Washington III, and Brandon Perry. That's really cool. And then then, after that, we have a fireside chat with Sissy Jones, who... Is she was she'll be on our video game panel before, and then we have a fireside chat with Sissy. It's yeah, so awesome! Really drilling into her career and what she does. Yeah, she's and one then of my best we'll all buds on Zoom together. In the yes, evening. and then we have a Zoom party, and we can just hang out and drink cocktails and together separately. Yeah, it's fun. We always like play music and talk. We have a karaoke room usually. <laughs> yeah, it's a fun time. And that's a pretty, yeah, that's a pretty busy schedule. Schedule, schedule. Schedule. (laughs) Schedule can actually be three syllables. Schedule. (laughs) Yeah. If you know this, but if you like wasting time. (laughs) (laughs) I'm sorry, my schedule is just too busy to waste it on the To say schedule. Yeah. All right, so, I gotta yeah. go, Jamie. I gotta go downstairs and relieve Lisa Leonard. Yes, who's um, at the I Nava sh- table. Right I should now. say to everyone, if you would like to join us, there's still time. Go to yes. vocationconference.com, and the ticket purchase button is right at the very top of the page, at the foot on the homepage. Click that, and then you can join us. And like Karen said, you will get your swag bag, but not in time, unfortunately, this late in the day. Um, but you'll have access to everything else. And um, yeah, we and we're also we're making. We're also going to be making replay-only tickets available even after the conference is over. So yeah. um, if you want to buy a replay-only ticket, you can buy it for up to a month after the con- the conference is over. So keep that in mind. Yeah. But everyone who buys a regular ticket gets a replay anyway. So Yeah, exactly. Yeah, available for everyone. Okay. Well, we need to uh, leave you to get on with your Nava-ing. Yes. And we'll talk again soon. Well, we're, I'm actually going to see you. Thank you, you for joining me in my... Washington, D.C. hotel room. <laughs> yeah, I hope it sounded last, all right. <laughs> yeah, the last thing you need in Washington, D.C. right now is a blanket over your head. <laughs> it's true. A thousand it's true. degrees. Yeah. All right. I got to go. Bye, all everyone. Right, Bye-bye. Bye-bye.